load the plates and lift the weights And we are mates and weights are great And as of late we pontificate about the weights And make a podcast! Sumo is cheating! This is Weekly Weights with Alex and Will Welcome to Weekly Weights, this is episode 109 I'm Alex Hayes, with me is Will And joining us today is Will Phillips Say hey Will Yeah, g'day Cobbers Thanks for coming on, man. So just an intro for those who don't know Will. He's a 94-kilo lifter from Brisbane. He is the current Australian record holder in the 94-kilo class with 772. Um, and he's been number one ranked nationwide for a couple of years, I think. Um, he's just made the switch to working as a PT after a long stint as a concreter and landscaper, which is what we're going to talk about a lot today. Um, he's a new dad. And he's the brains behind one of the best Instagram pages I've ever seen, which is at Body Guessing. And if you haven't seen it, go and follow it right now and check out some of the posts because it's quality. It's coming on, man. We should probably say this episode features at Body Guessing. Yeah, just down up of the reach. We'll definitely tag that page in the post when we put it up as well. Will, how are you doing? Yeah, good guys. Uh, good to see you guys. Uh, yeah, it's been a rough 18 months, but uh, starting to get back to normal. Um, yeah, it's been a roller coaster and a crazy time, that's for sure. Yeah, so much compacted in the last two years, becoming a dad, losing my dad, um, getting chronic fatigue. Um, yeah, and, yeah, it's just been crazy. <laughs> well, I feel like you that was a massive spoiler for the episode because oh. we, <laughs> that's okay. We did want to talk a little bit about chronic fatigue. And so why don't we skip right ahead to there? We'll sort of start now and work backwards a little bit. Yeah. So it's been a really tough 18 months. So you've lost your father, which is terrible news. You've had your own kid, which is great news. But underlying all that has been chronic fatigue, this diagnosis. Yeah. Um, so when was it that you first started experiencing the symptoms that were eventually diagnosed as chronic fatigue? Well, it all started back in 2019 roughly January. I just um, obviously had a kid. I was only getting four or five hours sleep every night and I was just getting really run down, plus working in a physical job and then still training. And I just, yeah, I've never felt this run down before. So I went to the doctors and was like, hey guys, yeah, I feel like crap, like 24 hours. Yeah, I wake up feeling like I'm gonna throw up, like just like that tired, you feel physically sick nearly. And, um, the guy just palmed me off a little bit and said, oh, you've probably just got a virus, come back in four or five weeks and um, yeah, we'll do some more blood tests and go through that. And literally got all these blood tests done, checking for everything under the sun. And uh, eventually they came back with Epstein-Barr virus, which is glandular fever in other words. And um, yeah, there's pretty much nothing you can do with it. There's just you know, antibiotics you can take. You just got to eat healthy, obviously get rest. And uh, I couldn't really do that because I, with the rest of the baby working and plus I was training and ruled myself pretty much. So uh, I didn't do anything for two months, felt better and trained for nationals in 2019 and uh, surprisingly got a total PV and uh, yeah, came second to Nikolai. So while I still had the fatigue and um Eventually it went away, uh, say October, I was pretty much back to normal, I'd say, and started doing my normal things again. 
working full time. Oh, sorry, I took three months off work as well with all this and um, went back to all my normal things, working, training, drinking, all that kind of stuff and uh, fell myself getting really bad food poisoning one night, which threw a span in the works and it kind of just all went downhill again in, when was that? Probably October. And I just, my health just went right down again and probably the same time, roughly December, I went back to the doctors and was like, hey, uh, something's wrong with me again. I'm feeling the same symptoms. Yeah, same thing that it said, oh, you probably got post-viral fatigue, which is, they don't know what's wrong with me because they did all the blood tests they did the first time and everything was perfect. They said, don't know what's wrong with your kid. Uh, eventually you'll get better pretty much, palm me off, so which is really frustrating on a mental thing because you don't know what to do. You're just like left in the dark and... Um, yeah, eventually it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And um, they put me on, they thought I had Guardia from the food poisoning pack in October. So they gave me this jug with flagell and that nearly killed me, literally. <laughs> it was put me in bed for like two weeks, literally. It's just antibiotic that, that kills every single bit of bacteria in your body. And uh, yeah, that was rough. Like literally I thought I was going to die when I had that. And um, yeah, it's just been a slow rebuild since then. And eventually I saw a chronic fatigue specialist in March and yeah, and that's been pretty much just put on a slow gradient um, exercise, which is why I'm started powerlifting again and diet and cognitive training because my uh, brain fog was horrendous. Like you'd ask me a question and I'll forget it. <laughs> it was that bad. So yeah, it's been a pretty full on time. <laughs> Man, I'd love to go back to right near the start. So before you were first diagnosed with glandular fever, you yeah. said you, you had this terrible feeling of fatigue and you were waking up feeling sick. I think something that, something that like people who are familiar with exercise and training really hard um, that we all have in common is that we're, we have a really good sense of sort of what our body's like and, and it's usually quite easy for us to differentiate between like I'm fatigued because I'm tired from training and I'm fatigued because there's something going wrong. Was there a really big like qualitative dis difference for you in how you felt? Like, was it anything like you've ever felt from training? No, like you pretty much know your body. Like I've been doing this for 10 years and like, I've never felt like this fatigue before. It's like just next level. Like even, you know, you peak for a powerlifting comp, you do your comp and you know that fatigue after the comp, you feel like crap for two weeks, or, like roughly from the fatigue from the comp it literally was twice as bad as that three times as bad as that. So I knew it was like nothing compared to like from a training or anything like that. It had to be some kind of virus or yeah, something. Yeah. Not training related. Yeah. yeah. And was it also playing out in how you were going at the gym and at work? Like when you first started feeling these symptoms, did your numbers go down? Did you start struggling to get through a day of labor or were you just feeling bad around the clock? Feeling really bad, obviously, yeah, training did get affected. Like, my numbers were going down, um, my volume training. Instead of doing four by 10 of this weight, I'd struggle to begin like four by five or four by six, especially my bench press. Um, that went down first. Usually, when you're more fatigued, you're feeling your upper body more than your lower body. And um, yeah, that was the first kind of signs of it. And then it cascaded down to all my other lifts. And then, yeah, just super hard at training and yeah, it was just trying to 
build back up, but I couldn't. I had no no uh, um, strength or anything. Yeah. How about your body weight? How was that affected throughout this process? Didn't really lose too much body weight. Um, I still had, well, I kind of force fed myself. My appetite went away, but I just didn't want to lose too much weight, obviously. So I just forced down protein shakes and stuff like that just to keep my calories up at the start of it because my appetite was really bad. But it did drop quite a bit uh, from obviously the virus, glandular fever and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I dropped down a couple of kilos, but it wasn't anything too drastic. Like a lot of people lose a lot more weight from getting glandular fever than what I did. Like, yeah, mine was more like the fatigue and like that general malaise feeling like you're sick kind of thing. Yeah, I had sore throat and all that as well, but yeah. So it's something that like tends to happen with people when, when you have a really big spike in fatigue, you know, because you're sick or because you have stress outside in your life, you don't tend to recover and adapt as well from training. Yeah. And I think I can imagine that for you going through this really long period where your training performance was getting worse, but you're feeling more tired from it yeah. and you're, you're putting in the work and things and actually seeing regression that must be really, really tough psychologically. How did it play on your mindset as a trainee? Oh, mate, I went through mental battles every week. Um, Sorry, do you mind leaning a bit closer to your mic as you talk? Yeah. Thanks. Um, it was mentally really tough, man. I'd say that was probably one of the toughest things, like going from this, I've said, like Australian champion to like, well, when I first started training again, I struggled lifting 40 kilos off the ground on deadlifts. My heart rate would go up to I had 160 beats. <laughs> a minute kind of thing. I'd get like dizzy spells and all that kind of thing. And yeah, this is when it first happened. And then I saw the chronic fatigue guy um, and he said, this is just part of how it is. Your body's been run down so bad. You just got to do, it's better to do some kind of exercise. He said, than no exercise at all. So I just had to like try to push myself, even though I felt like I was going to (laughs) die sometimes, but you got to find that medium where, you don't overdo it too much that you go backwards. Yeah. So then when you, when you did go back to this retraining phase, you said you're struggling to lift 40 kilos off the floor. So people who aren't familiar with you, you're a well North of 300 kilo deadlifter. Your best deadlifts, what? 320 something. Yeah. 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 So, so that's a hugely significant drop off. And like you said, you're a national champion lifter. You know, you're somebody who's defined by your strength and what your body can do. Did that, um, I like that really humbling experience, did that make you start reevaluating um, your approach to training and your own identity? Well, definitely. Like, as I said, like the mentally was the worst. Like, um, it's so frustrating. Like, when I, the worst of it, like lifting 40 kilos up off the ground and like struggling with that was like depressing. Like, you go, but I've got to start from scratch again, pretty much, and then build my way up. And I was just, yeah, I, especially I've got a supporting partner, Holly. She helped me through this a lot. Um, I ended up having seen a psychiatrist through this whole thing as well to talk about it and um, try to put me in a good mindset. Like he's, I was getting down the dumps and it's like going, I hate life pretty much and all that kind of thing. Feel sick every day, I'm weak all of my training and everything's just gone down the drain. Um, it's rough. Plus I had to be a dad. Like I couldn't like just lie in bed all day, you know, and, and do nothing. I have to help Holly with, with Boyd and all that stuff. And 
yeah, it was just really hard time mentally. And then, yeah, I just had to really put my, a good mindset on, which the psychiatrist said, and just try your best. And like, if you do one step more one day, it's a plus, you know what I mean? You just have to take it like that. And yeah, and slowly rebuild it up. And it's been 16 weeks since I've seen this, uh, 18 weeks, sorry, since I've seen the chronic fatigue guy and I'm um, back up to about 80% of my natural strength. So yeah, like hopefully in another three or four months, I'll be close to maybe thinking about competing again, maybe m March next year or something like that. If everything goes to plan and I don't have the backs, so something else happens to me because you've just got to really watch your fatigue levels. If I train too hard and my fatigue goes right down, yeah, I get that feeling again of that sickness and the like fatigue, head spins, all that kind of stuff. So you just got to play it day by day nearly really and see what you're going to kind of train compared so, to Sorry. You mentioned that you had to sort of adjust your training um, accordingly. So are you still working with, with Nick from SSG? I had a break with Nick just because it's hard for him to program me at the moment just because of my fatigue levels. Like, you know, as a coach, that's one of the main things. You're like, if you're going to go, hey, you've got to do this weight for four by eight today and I'm just too tired, then, you know, I, I can't do that training session with him. And it puts too much pressure on him as well, programming me at the moment. Like, he's such a good coach. Like, he's been brilliant with me over the years. And, yeah, there'd be too much pressure on him at the moment. And um, I'm just training myself because it's day-by-day day thing for me feel really good for two days or train good. And then if I feel crap, I'll just do like some really easy stuff. And then, yeah, that's pretty much what my training has been like. It's just how my body feels for that day. But I haven't really been training super heavy. Like I've trained probably four by fours is probably the heaviest I'll go on a training. Cause if I do, if I did it one RM to say tomorrow, I'll probably be fatigued for three days after it. So it's just one of those things. Yeah. So, after this long period of being run down, you're wiped back to square one, probably yeah. weaker than you were when you started lifting. You're like square negative 10, yeah. Um, yeah. which is, that sounds shit. But was there anything um, where, where your prior training had given you like abilities or mindset that made you confident of coming back? Like something, you know, I've had a couple of longer term injuries and one of the things that made me confident that I could do my rehab was that I knew that before when I put in effort and application in training, I would get results. I would see adaptation in my body. And so while I was really depressed to lose the strength that I'd worked for, I still had like the mental strength that I knew that my training gave me results. Did looking back at your training history and your competitive abilities and stuff give you any confidence or was it all negative for you? At the start, it was probably a lot of all negative. That's why I had to talk to someone about it. And I'm so glad I had um, the great partner, Holly, which I've talked to like literally every day. She probably got the shits of me talking about it all the time. But <laughs> um, yeah, and then slowly but surely, you see a bit of light at the end of the tunnel. You're like, hey, I've put on five kilos of strength this week. I want to try to do it again next week. You know what I mean? And then you start going, hey, I'm building this. And you get that confidence back and you get a bit of morale and you're like, yeah, it starts rolling. The ball starts rolling, you know? Yeah. And then it was just like small steps, like one, even one kilo of strength a week's so again, you know what I'm saying? And then, yeah, it was pretty much a mental battle and yeah, it's just been really tough, but 
I know the body's got muscle memory, obviously, as well. So all that hard work I've done for 10 years, it's going to be, it's going to be there somewhere. So, yeah, it was um, – I got the strength back a lot quicker than I thought. I'm not up, up to 100%, obviously, but last week I did 164 by 4 on bench, deadlifts 240 for 4x6, and squats 174 by 6 on pause squats. So, yeah, like I'm – Gaining my strength back, but I'm not like where I was, but still, yeah. So, you want to go? Yeah. You mentioned, Will, that you started seeing a psychiatrist. Um, what were some of the strategies that they helped you with in getting sort of that day-by-day approach? It was more just the positive mind frame saying, hey, I've got one kilo. I've done more, one more step today. I don't feel as sick. Um, and more about like, focusing on my family and stuff as well. I was getting in this bubble where I was just self-accessed on Google, Google, Google your symptoms kind of thing. I was like, the doctors haven't picked up something here. Like this, this has been going on for 16 months. Like it has to be something, you know? So I was very self-obsessed for a while. And um, he made me like get out of that bubble and start enjoying things like enjoy, like hanging out for your, partner you know training um you enjoying your kid and stuff like that yeah your strategies were just take day by day into small steps really and focusing on the positives and try not to think on any negatives and stuff like that yeah that was the main stuff we're doing i'd like to i'd like to talk about those things outside of training because just like losing your strength and losing the ability to train would have been a big shock to your identity you then you've also had these other things happen in your life. You've had Boyd, your child, yeah. um, and then you lost your father throughout this whole process. So you've had these very big shocks and things that I imagine would change the way that you see yourself in the world and you see your identity. Yeah. Do you think the the Will Phillips now who is talking to us is a is a fundamentally very different person to who you were at say the start of twenty nineteen? And what what things have changed that you think are for the better? I have to say, definitely have changed. Like this experience, like I look through my health a lot more. I look out for a lot of other people because you just don't know what other people are feeling. Once see a guy on the street looking down on the ground and stuff like that, and you like think about it more and go, "Hey, this guy's probably going through something really rough." Like just opens your mind up a lot of like how other people are and stuff, and you just got to think about. Like I thought about myself probably a lot more back in like prior years, probably a little bit more selfish, should say. This is like opened me up and like thinking about other people and how they're how they you got to treat other people better and stuff like that. Yeah, so I've opened my mind a lot about that kind of things in my life. Yeah. And do you see yourself? Um, do you see yourself returning? to having powerlifting as being one of your absolute top priorities or do you now see yourself as a family man who does some powerlifting on the side? I'd have to say more family man now. Like family always comes first. So like if Holly needs a hand in the afternoons and the training's on as well, I'm always going to obviously help Holly now and put training on the back burner. So yeah, but things always change. Like I'll probably will get more time when boy gets a little bit older and stuff like that. But um, at the moment, like it's whatever best for the family. They got to put the family first and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's main priority. And um, yeah, if I get a bit more time, obviously I'll think about putting powerlifting maybe a little bit 
further ahead. But uh, yeah, it's definitely not on my mind at the moment too much compared to what it was two years ago. So even when powerlifting was, you know, right at the top of the tree for you, you were still doing manual labor, right? Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people, I was certainly surprised to hear just how much physical work you were doing on the outside of your training because you, you do what you did train very, very hard. Um, so what, when you were doing your job, firstly, what was the specific job? And secondly, did it, did it give you issues in training after you'd been doing all that work? Well, I did concreting and landscaping, probably the shittest trade that you can do for powerlifting, literally. Uh, you're sunbaking in the sun all day, um, you're shoveling on shovel all day and and like barrowing all day. Um, yeah, like literally, it's probably the worst job for powerlifting. It got me fit, like obviously, like conditioning-wise, I was very fit, but fatigue, you go into training after doing nine hours or 10 hours of physical labor, shoveling and wheelbarrowing and concreting, then having about 400 milligrams of caffeine before rocking up to training to get through it and then um, getting home and just literally passing out. But yeah, I don't know. I kind of fell into that routine and it was one of those things I did for six or seven years. So I kind of got used to it a little bit, but yeah, it was really detrimental on my training for sure. Like, before I warmed up, sometimes my back was so tight from shoveling all day, I had to lie on a trigger ball for about half an hour so I could get the bar down to my chest on a bench press, stuff like that. So, yeah, it was very tough. And then some days I just wanted to know how many kilometres I walk roughly, so I got the app for one of those things, how many steps you do each day. I think we'd do 16, 17 k's a day walking around and then you got to do squats that day yeah, you can imagine how hard that was. And that was like, plus other work as well than walking. So yeah, it was really tough, but I suppose I just got kind of used to it after a while, <laughs> to tell you the truth. But it was like, since I've been an easier job, personal training, um, the fatigue's not as bad, but obviously I've got this chronic fatigue now. So it's amazing you're even able to get as strong as you were with all that work. I imagine that if I worked one, nine hour day out in the sun, I probably wouldn't be able to train for five weeks. Sorry, just cut out a little bit there, boys. Yeah. He was saying he's astonished that he said he's astonished how strong you were able to get doing all that work because if he I oh, still can't hear us. Alright. Can you hear us now? Yeah he's now. Yeah. Okay. Alex was just saying he was surprised he was surprised you were able to get that strong around that much work. Because um, in his case, he'd have had to skip heaps of training, and I actually have a story specifically about that. I used to do some um, some labouring when I was like actually between about the ages of sixteen and nineteen, twenty, yeah. and we were work. I was working for a family friend, and my mum used to ban him from having me work more than three days a week yeah. because she thought I'd be too tired for for sport. <laughs> um, and it really, in my instance, it wasn't a big deal because I was too young to actually do anything hard. But I can tell you, after a day of even just mulching, I could not have lifted a bar if someone asked me to. Yeah, I literally, it must have just been a mental thing as well because some days I just rocked in there and was like, how the hell am I going to do this? Like, And Dawny was good too because Dawny would see me rock in there and I look like a dead whipped horse pretty much from working all day. And uh, <laughs> he'd be like, mate, we're going to do this, you know? Like, you've got to push through. We've got nationals in eight weeks or something like that. You've got to do this training session. 
I don't care how long you're going to take to do it, but we're going to do it. And like, it was really good with him as well. Like he would help me like mentally push through it. Cause some days, like literally, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> but, and um, if anyone knows, anyone follows Will out there, you know how much volume you used to get through in one session, like some crazy amount of like six by eight deadlifts and amazing stuff like that. Yeah, it was, I look back at it now and say, I could not do that <laughs> again. Like it was just, freakish really like yeah it was a lot of caffeine as i said and yeah probably just burnt my whole body <laughs> that's why i probably got glandular fever but <laughs> yeah. does it give you a, like a positive outlook going into a less laborious job now um in that you may be able to come back and do a little bit more training once you're better from chronic fatigue yeah definitely like this this career change is going to be a plus definitely for training and fatigue management and stuff like that yeah, so I'm looking forward to like when I do fully get when I do get better, um, that I can push my body again and hopefully edge up to the 800 kilo mark in the 93s, 94s, and um, yeah, continue that. But that's as I said, that's won't won't be probably for at least eight or nine months, maybe a year kind of thing down the track. But yeah, you did mention how you had to lie on a ball for ages before you were ready to bench press and things. Were there certain muscles or certain like movements or types of training where you really noticed it after a hard day of work? Yeah, like pretty much everything was always tight on me. Like Dawny laughed at me. Like he goes, mate, you're just, your body's fucking <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, like even squats, like my legs, calves, all that kind of stuff, thoracic, so tight. Like I get massages like once every week in the – lady was doing it was like i can't believe how tight your back is and stuff like this all thoracic is just rock hard pretty much just from all the physical work and she just said you just got to keep bashing it pretty much with the ball so you can get that range that mobility to get the bar back down and actually do the exercise properly and obviously over time yeah it, it did work and it's just been really tough, I suppose, just doing that all the time. Dried needling was my best friend. I'd go there twice twice a week sometimes and just get my back dry needled, legs and all that. So, yeah, it just was tough. So are we, um, we going to see a big arch bench press on you soon? Oh, mate, I think my back's <laughs> stuffed. I have to say it's have to be a, I'd have to do 10 years of mobility work before I could probably get another centimetre in March, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so um so what about you did used to do so much volume right yeah. and particularly having come off that much work i think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that that's what worked best for you they'd probably think you had to do a bit less just so you could recover so how did it that you you and dawny sort of came to came to the realization that you just did best with a lot of work well uh when he first started coaching me, we probably did a little bit more heavy kind of work. And um, as I said, my, I just couldn't do it. My fatigue levels at the end of the week, like if I had to do squats on a Friday, I was just like, God, I can't do this. So we thought like more of a bodybuilding kind of phase, like training was working better. Like I'd do like the high volumes, like five by tens, all that kind of stuff. And then slowly peak for a competition and only lift heavy for about three or four weeks before a comp seemed to work best for me. If I left it more than like 90% or 80%, I'd just burn out. Like uh, my comps were shit. Like I remember one time I did a competition and I worked up 
because of the Friday and I had to, have to compete on the Saturday. And I was hoping to get a 7.30 kilo total and I think I got a, seven, a 6.50 total. <laughs> so it, was, it was a bit of hit and miss there for a while. But um, yeah, we, we worked it out and it was just more like, for some reason, the high volume work with not as much weight seemed to work better for me, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that worked. And yeah, we got a 7.72 total, which is pretty impressive from it. And hopefully more down the track. But yeah, it's, that worked for me with the hard job. Something that, um, that's coming out in all your answers so far to me has been just the value of sort of persistence. Like you can do something, sometimes it doesn't quite work out, but you take the lessons and you just go back and try again and try again and try again. Exactly. What was yeah. it that you think has made you like that? I don't know, really. Uh, I've just always been a persistent person. Like if I've got a goal that I'm always going to like chase it. Like I'm not going to like go, hey, that didn't work. I'm going to give up. Like I'm always going to find things way around something to try to get what I want, you know. I've always kind of been like that. Um, Might have been from my upbringing with my dad, maybe. He was always pretty hard on me when I was growing up and saying, you've got to just push through it, mate. Like don't give up stuff like that especially playing rugby union and stuff like that i was was never the biggest guy on the field and he goes you just got to use your heart and just try your hardest tackle that guy you know stuff like that so i think it's like how i was brought up and especially like playing contact sport rugby union probably gave me that as well yeah that's what i was going to ask next whether your sporting background had affected your powerlifting positively so let's go into your sporting background then. So you mentioned rugby union. Yeah. When did you start playing rugby and at what level did you get to? I've been playing it since I was about seven. So, um, yeah, played pretty high up and when I was younger. Um, it was like Brisbane North's rugby and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, it was going pretty good. Played for Marist, played a few games for the first there. Then I got injured. Injuries were like my worst downfall pretty much. Like some people were just injury prone and I got a lot of injuries, but yeah. And um, converted over to Jeeps, Colts one, played a few games for Colts one and kept playing grades. Got up to uh, second grade and then I got a really bad ankle injury. Um, I couldn't walk on it for 14 weeks pretty much. And uh, the physio that was handling me there i think went the wrong way i should have got an mri straight away but we got one 14 weeks later and i had a whole tendon gone so i was walking on a foot with no tendon and i had ruptured nearly my well, i can't remember all the ligaments but i had like three ligaments in my ankle that were nearly ruptured so yeah and then i had to come back from that again and start playing from that so yeah i suppose it's been a lot of my career playing rugby was getting injured coming back getting injured coming back stuff like that so that's probably converted over to powerlifting kind of in a way and like going well this isn't working i'll try this i'll come back you know so yeah were you lifting weights when you were playing rugby yeah well at marist we had a compulsory you had to start training so i was for the first and second squad so yeah, we uh, what was that, 17. So I started doing weights training since 17. And then, yeah, worked up, had a few coaches over the years, but um, never really fully got into proper powerlifting training till probably 2010. I actually started squatting properly and stuff like that. I never liked doing legs. So I was like thinking, well, if you've got to be a good powerlifter, you've got to start squatting. So, 
yeah, started doing it from there. So when I was in high school, we had to lift for rugby and the tests that we did were like straight out of the NFL combine. It was like a 40 meter dash and you had to do an AMRAP with hundred kilos on bench. And then I think they made you do body weight, pull up AMRAP as well. And then here and there you'd have to do a squat or a deadlift, but they were pretty loose on that. Yeah. Um, how much were you lifting when you were in high school? Like, did you, were you already a pretty strong bencher? Well, when I first started training, all I did was upper body. I never knew about back. Like, I never trained my back because that's why I pretty much got a kyphosis and my posture's like shocking. Um, I wish I could go back in time and like go, hey, you got to train your back and all that kind of stuff now. But we didn't have really anyone back then to like tell you, hey, you got to have set a proper program up. It was like what you said, like they'll destroy you a few exercises and say, hey, do this. But I did start benching and I was, yeah, I was strong at bench. I was doing 140 kilos for touch and go in grade 12. So. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty strong. Yeah. So I've always had like a strong bench and, but then I, I never started training deadlifts really, as, as you said, back then you'd occasionally test it out. So I think my bench is like stronger than my deadlift and, and my, and my squat back then, which is pretty funny, but yeah. And so when was it that you started thinking about doing powerlifting? You said it was in 2010 that you actually began, but what planted that seed in your head? Why do you want to lift? Well, I got too many injuries playing rugby and I love, I love doing weight training my whole life. And I was just like, I've got to start thinking about doing something else. Cause I'm not going to stop playing rugby and just sit around the house, you know, on the weekends and do nothing. I always want to do something and like have that drive to like get better at something, you know? So I saw a couple of powerlifting Australia things and I was like, Oh, okay. I want to build up to that. Um, but obviously my squat was woeful. I was squatting like 140 kilos, 150 kilos and, and deadlifting probably 160 or something. And then bench was probably around that 150. So, um, yeah, those four, four or five years, I just really trained them and, and got up to my first competition in 2014 at UQ, uh, got a 680 total. I think it was. Yeah. So, yeah. Very impressive. Yeah, it's not bad for a first for a first timer. That's my best total. <laughs> Very recent as well. That must suck. So, so you got six eighty in your first comp. You've now totaled seven seventy two or whatever it was. Um, how long after that first competition were you going to nationals and doing international competitions? Well, I didn't really take it too seriously. I'd rather go out on the weekends and like you know get on the piss with the boys and stuff like that, and then I'd kind of like trained kind of like on and off for maybe a few weeks and then I'd be like oh maybe I should start training properly again and I'd, I, my heart wasn't really full in it till probably 2015 I just had a total minds I, I got over like getting shit faced every single weekend you know and I wanted to like kind of build up in the powerlifting see what I actually had in powerlifting and obviously drinking and smoking dairies every single weekend wasn't the best for my recovery I'd probably come good after a three day bender and then try to train on a Tuesday and it was pretty rough. <laughs> so mate, you're like the Ben cousins of powerlifting. Hey, it's like, <laughs> you know, manual labor job and then just smashing dories, getting pissed as pissing half your training and still shitting it in. You're doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty lucky. I think I did sleep a lot, but yeah, a lot of, um, 
maybe the Darius helped in the beers on the weekend with the carbs, mate. It was it was good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the kind of content you'll get at body guessing, everyone. Yeah. So, so twenty fifteen ish, you have this mindset shift, and you go, "All right, I want to be a bit more serious." Did you see a big uptick in your performance? Oh, definitely. Like, from uh, quitting, like I didn't quit drinking, but I just didn't drink as much. Like, if someone's birthday was on, I obviously go out and drink and stuff. I just wouldn't go out every weekend and do it. But um, recovery was a lot better, like heaps better from quit, uh, stopping drinking and smoking. And um, yeah, and then I got Dorney to properly start coaching me around 2015. I think it was. Might have been. Yeah, might have been roughly around there. So. I was paying him money, obviously, and I wanted to give it my best. And like, yeah, so changed the mindset and did, did it that way. And then I was getting some really good gains. And then 2016 came along and there was me, Chris Thomas, Nathan Wallace, uh, Busey. We had a competition and that was pretty much the competition. Oh, sorry, Colin Webb was going to do it, but I don't think he ended up doing it um, to get the number one spot maybe for Australia and then represent Australia and Texas for the IPF world title. So me and Johnny put our heads down and we uh, trained for that. And um, yeah, beat Chris Thomas by, I think four kilos or something, which gave me an opportunity to go over there and rest is history, I suppose. From there. Yeah. Very cool. So you mentioned that you went to IPF worlds 2016. Um, what was that experience like compared to just doing a local meet? or doing national meet? Mate, I had so much pressure on myself because you're like going over there because you're not representing yourself, you're representing the country as well, like in powerlifting. So I'll probably put too much pressure on myself. I remember rocking up there and just going, wow, I'm actually here. I can't believe I'm actually representing the country, you know, after like back in like three years ago, I was drinking and smoking and all that, not really caring about sport too much. Now I have like the pinnacle of like, the sport representing Australia at IPF world. So I was nervous as hell. Like I remember me, Dorney, Emma and a few other boys would go out for dinner. I couldn't even eat dinner. I was that nervous. Um, yeah. And then I started to try to get myself on the day and settle my nerves down and just like really try to meditate and say, Hey, I've got to do this. Like I was almost this close to like not wanting to compete on the day. I was that nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, if my memory serves me, you went nine for nine and totaled seven fifty. Yeah, yeah. So like, maybe putting that pressure on yourself actually helps. Yeah, it probably did. And I don't know. Like it's one of those things. Like once it was like rugby. You always get super nervous before rugby game. I almost feel like I was going to throw up and I want to play the game. But then you go out and have a blinder. You know, it's just like and that first tackle. You like do that tackle and you're like sweet. Now I'm, I'm like ready to go. So it's pretty much all the way up to that first squat. I was like, feel like I was going to throw up. And then I now my first squat and I was just like, yep, yeah, this is good. And that was, and it was fun after that, you know, I was like building confidence in each lift and everything was going really well. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was just a mindset thing. Yeah. That's something that I've seen in a lot of my lifters as well, particularly the ones who put a lot of pressure on themselves to perform is once you get that first squat out of the way and you kind of, feel like you're there and you're, you know, on the platform performing mm. everything, all that stuff goes away and then you can kind of just have fun and enjoy yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things, but it, like over the more years that I have competed, 
a lot of competitions, especially nationals, I'm like always worrying about what someone else is lifting. I'm like going, oh, geez, Colin's done a 280 kilo squat. I've only done 240 kilos. And then I was like really stressed out all the time about other people and what they're lifting in the comps and stuff like that. And Dawny was just like saying, mate, just don't stress out about them. Just think about yourself. You're competing about yourself. And I've got that mindset about it now. Like who cares what anyone else is lifting? I'm just doing this for me. If it's there on the day, I want to get it. If I don't lift it, then I just wasn't strong enough. I'll rebuild up again and I'll get it next time. And that's how I think about it now. And it's, puts a lot of pressure off myself than thinking, oh, I've got to get this lift. I don't get this lift. All this 10 weeks is like, or 14 weeks of training has gone down the drain. You know what I mean? But a lot of people put their pressure on themselves. So I'll just do it that way now and just say, hey, I don't have, I don't have an injury. It's good. I'll just rebuild again, do another comp in 20 weeks, you know, if it doesn't go my way. So just think about it that, that, like that now. I'm glad you said that because, um, <clears throat> because you do strike me as somebody who's pretty chilled out but I've seen you have to take quite a few high pressure lifts. I recall it must've been nationals 2018 when you had to go to, you had to go to deadlift. It was the deadlift before Nikolai. Yeah. You were going for the lead. And I think you, I think you might've even missed your second deadlift prior to doing one. Correct. He missed, his, he missed his first two benches and came that's back and made his third bench. That's and right. his third deadlift put him in the lead. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I, was, I remember I was giving you handouts Will. I remember thinking like, you know, like it's not only ballsy attempt selection, but this is stuff that's very high pressure and it's done in the context of a competition. You're doing this stuff to try and put yourself in the best placing you can and put pressure on other people. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you go about getting yourself fired up for those lifts without really adding a lot of pressure? Like, is that the time when you do tell yourself I need this for the comp? It's, that's a hard question because at the same time, you've got to like psych yourself up because you want it. Like you just want to go, Hey, I've got like, I've done all this training as well. Like, as I said, and I've got the chance to win this. So you just got to throw on the bar and, and then just hope for the best. I suppose it's like one of those things, hopefully the body's got it on the day and you, you've got to give it a go. Like obviously. And um, sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. That's powerlifting. But um, yeah, obviously you just got to psych yourself up and then have as, I think I had probably a thousand milligrams of caffeine that day. So, all right. Um, we're going to make a very abrupt segue because we just made the executive decision. Yeah. So you've now moved, you mentioned it into personal training, which you said was an easier job. And I'm going to let that insult slide because I find it very difficult. <laughs> um, but you've, you've moved into personal training. Um, so, all these experiences that you've had in lifting and in dealing with chronic fatigue and all that stuff, um, how have they impacted your decision to move into the fitness industry? Well, I've always had that passion of like training my whole life, obviously. Um, and then I just never had the time because I was doing a trade to like actually do my cert three and four and like obviously get the actual qualification. So the sickness in one kind of sense, pushed me into changing careers that I really actually wanted to do. I hated my job for five, six years doing this, but it was the only thing I knew. So it was good to, um, yeah, actually kind of get sick and get pushed in the right direction and go, hey, I've got three months, I'm gonna take off work now. I'm also study for my cert three and four, you know, do something. And um, yeah, in a way it is kind of good that I did get sick because it pushed me in the right direction. So what is it that you're looking to bring to your clients now as a coach and as, as a trainer? 
well, it's proper programming and stuff like that. Like you can see a lot of people in the gym, especially commercial gyms, that have been stuck at the same weight for two years. You walk past some guy and you see him busting his ass and he's still the same strength for two years because he hasn't got the proper programming or knowledge of uh, how to train. So that's probably my biggest thing is to tell people how to train properly and, and the peak and get stronger and not bust yourself every single session. It's not going to really help. So yeah, and stuff like that and obviously proper technique on, on their lifts and stuff like that. And yeah, love, love doing all that kind of stuff. So the other thing that you mentioned um, when you were talking about chronic fatigue, you said it had made you sort of have more empathy. Like you look at other people and you see their struggles and yeah. you see like they might be down and stuff. Do you think that that and knowing what it's like to sort of suddenly be weak and be humbled by lifting is going to help you with coaching other people? Definitely. Like you got to start somewhere. Like a lot of people, will, as I said, put a lot of pressure on themselves too. And like, a lot of people aren't confident when they go into the gym. They see all these strong people and they're like going, hey, I'm scared of lifting against all these people, but you've got to go to them. Hey, everyone started somewhere and you just got to build their confidence up. That's the main thing. A lot of people have no confidence when they're training and stuff like that. And once they get that confidence and that knowledge and that technique down, they'll enjoy it. And then it's just putting, pushing someone in the right direction, I think. Do you reckon having the big, biggest biceps in the gym makes your clients feel more confident walking around with you? Well, probably for spotting and stuff like that would probably help, but you know. <laughs> Security guard. <laughs> All right, mate, it's been a real pleasure. We've had a good chat. I reckon we take a quick break and we're going to come back and hit you with our four questions that tell us everything we need to know about a person, All right? Yeah, mate, no worries. Yeah. Welcome back. We're here with Will Phillips still, and we're going to ask him the four questions that tell us everything we need to know about a person. Question one, Will, are you ready? Yeah, mate. If you could take one person out to dinner, dead or alive, who would it be? I'd probably just say Arnie Schwarzenegger, mate. He's been my idol when I was a little one. <laughs> are you going to break it to him or should I? We, we had that answer last week. Oh, really? Oh, that's, yeah. that's a good answer. Yeah, but I feel like we don't want to have the same answer. You every want time. I want a different answer. Who else would you take? Arnie can be there too. Um, I don't really know, man. Um, I'll say Stallone probably. He'd be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an amazing dinner. <laughs> Do you remember, I think Stallone had a heart attack or something a year or two ago and there's this iconic picture of like he's in hospital and Arnie's going to visit him. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, that'll be touching. That's that, the boys. That, that is honest. That's the OJ boys. Three biggest biceps on the planet. <laughs> One fucking dinner. All right. All right, question two. Who's your favourite athlete of all time? Well, that's a tough question, but I'll have to probably say Robert Wilkes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, serious answers we only. We definitely on. haven't had that one before. So. <laughs> <laughs> what about in footy? You're a rugby union guy. Is there, are there any union players you really like? One of my idols is Ben Choon. I love Ben Choon. He's just an injury-prone player, but he had yeah. so much potential. I'd say probably one of him, like Ben Choon was good. I like Richie McCall, obviously. He's a great player. Um, Johnny he's a Wilkes. Yeah, he's a leader. You say Richie McCaw and Johnny Wilkinson? Johnny, Johnny Hills. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, if you said Richie McCaw and Johnny Wilkinson, I'd terminate this podcast. Um, <laughs> two men that I don't like. Um, 
John Eel's probably up there because he went to Morris as well. So, yeah. He did go to Morris, didn't he? Yeah, Ben Tune's an interesting one. He was like one of the greatest players, but like you said, so injury prone. It was like whenever he could play for just a decent stretch, it was magic. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely those two ones I looked up to when I was younger in rugby, yeah. For sure. All right, we're on to question three. Yep. Which movie or television character do you most resemble? I'd just say probably Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> Got the, probably the wits about Homer. Nah, I don't know. That's a tough question. Hey, uh, what do you reckon if you could say one? Well, because you got such big arms, I reckon Popeye's a good shout. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Popeye, yeah. Johnny Bravo? Yeah, Johnny Bravo, just without the hair. Yeah, that's good. I haven't really watched too much TV lately. I've been flat out with everything. Yeah. What about any kid shows that Boyd's watching? He likes just the Wiggles, mate. Like, literally everything is the Wiggles. Oh, my God. Do the propeller. Do the... Who's <laughs> <laughs> the propeller in there now? I don't know. That's... I haven't watched the Wiggles in they got new at least content. 15 years. I swear, if I was the Wiggles, I'd write, like, three albums and just recycle them. You know, like, my main content at the moment is just the Wiggles. That's just, like, engraved in my brain at the moment. <laughs> yeah, well... Mash banana. Mash banana, indeed. All right, question four, mate. You've done really well. Your life is being made into a movie montage and you get to choose the music that it's set to. What music would you choose? Well, my favourite song's Down With The Sickness Of Disturbed, mate, so I'll probably have to chuck that in. Well, that, that works with the chronic fatigue. It does, yeah. You were feeling very down with the sickness, so <laughs> that's a good answer. Right, man. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate your time. Um, your last job is to tell people where they can find you on social media and if they're looking for a personal trainer, where are you working and how can they get in touch? Social media is Will Chronic Power now. I've changed it from Will Power Phillips, obviously, because of the sickness. And uh, I work at Albany Creek for uh, Anytime Fitness. Yeah, if you're and don't, don't forget uh, body guessing. I am body guessing. Sorry, this content probably hasn't been up for a while, but uh, we'll try to get back to it. Again. Yeah, get back to it, man. Get Boyd like, involved in body guessing, dude. That'd be great. Get some father son content. Boyd yeah. guessing. You could do something like that. <laughs> yeah, Boyd guessing. Boyd guessing. <laughs> well, next comp I do, mate, if we see you guys, we could do some uh, material, you know. You guys are pretty funny, so you never yeah, know. Yeah, absolutely. I'll we'll scull a beer on Instagram. I'll scull a side up on Instagram. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> good. There's already some content already, so yeah, we're good. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Mate, thank you so much for joining us, guys. It's been Weekly Waits. I'm Will. I'm Alex. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>